0: Well I'd like to give a very warm welcome to you all here this evening here at uh, the service and a good number of you watching from home in these circumstances so I'd like to welcome you as well and like to give a big warm welcome to Rory Graham who is our preacher this evening. Um, Rory and I actually go back a long way, we were just recounting uh, so, uh, Rory was uh, uh, involved with All Saints as a youth worker at a time in the early years when I was here at Forest Fold, involved with schools work. We did a, a lot of work together, didn't we, Rory? Uh, particularly in Beacon, preparing assemblies together, giving them together, and we were both involved as well in uh, After School Club, which we were able to have running for uh, for, a, for a year or so at uh, Green Lane for years seven and eight, which we called Big Q's, Big questions and uh, that was nearly 20 years ago I was working out so we go back a long way as friends as brothers in Christ and as fellow workers in the gospel and it's a real pleasure for me that you're here this evening Rory And as we come together, we obviously want to uh, turn our minds to the Lord. Uh, We're going to be singing our first hymn in a minute, and you'll see it come up. But just let me read one or two verses from that Psalm 100, which is going to lead us into our service nicely. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Well, shall we uh, join together then in a spirit of praise as we sing the hymn, All People That On Earth Do Dwell. bit extra from Psalm 100 there at the end, but uh, words of good praise. And shall we come to God in praise and prayer? Let's, let's pray before our reading. Oh Lord, as we come to you, we come to you as our maker, as that psalm acknowledges. You are maker of heaven and earth and maker of us and we humble ourselves before you. You are our God who sets our position and location and where we live, sovereign over all our lives. We acknowledge you as King. Oh Lord, you are our provider, generously, kindly, uh, making our cup overflow with many good things for which we praise you. Oh Lord you are our judge, we all have to give an account to you, we pray to be mindful that you are the law giver and the one to whom we give an account, Lord we come to you as our saviour and sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, we thank you that there is a way of salvation so that we are guiltless. We come to you as our Father, included in your family if we're believers, that wonderful privilege of having your love poured on us with so many blessings that we inherit through your kindness. We come to you as our friend. Lord, what an amazing term that we, like Abraham, can say that we are the friend of God. Yet we believe this is true, we're encouraged so much by it. We come to you as our comforter, knowing that the Holy Spirit comforts and strengthens and helps. We are grateful for that. We need his ongoing help. We need his help as we come together to your word as we read it now, as we have it explained later. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things out of your law, we pray. Amen. Well, they're all great passages and we certainly have a, a great passage this evening. We're going to be in John chapter 15 and I'm going to read the, the first um, 17 verses of that wonderful chapter. John 15 speaking to his disciples here and he says in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Well, we look forward to hearing more from those uh, wonderful words later on. Uh, we're going to sing our next hymn now, and uh, then afterwards I've asked Rory to just give a, a, a snapshot of the situation he, he is in now. He's in um, Halsham at the parish church. I thought it would be nice to hear a little bit about that situation uh, before we have our time of prayer. So uh, Rory will come up after the, the next hymn, which is this great hymn, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest, whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me.
1: Nice to see you. I bring you the greetings of the Christians of Hailsham Parish Church, and it's a, a great privilege for me to be here. Thank you for inviting me, thank you for, for welcoming me, and thank you for the opportunity just to speak a little bit um, about us as a church family. I guess I don't need to tell you, but the impact of COVID has been significant on us as a church family. Um, we uh, are are patchily returning, I think is how i describe it. Uh, lots of encouragements. Uh, so we're seeing some new faces. Uh, and then also another wave of COVID seems to sweep through and there's discouragement and frustration. Some people are being uh, rightly cautious uh, with health-related issues and are, are, are staying away from the, the main gathering of God's people. Uh, and other people you're thinking... Oh, do come on. Come on. It's really good to be together. Uh, Let's just come back together. It'll be an encouragement. So we're finding that tricky as we navigate our way through, wanting to to encourage the the timid uh, and those who are struggling uh, and at the same time um, carry on with the ministry uh, that God's given us there. One of the great gifts of um, uh, the location of the church building is that people walk past and are often poking their heads in. Uh, We, like you here, have got things on during the week, uh, whether that's uh, mums and toddlers or after school club and and those kind of things. And regularly, we're having people who are just popping in, uh, just seeing things about, oh, I, I saw something online about this church and I... Just wanted to pop in. And that gives us an opportunity. It's not the whole thing, but gives us an opportunity to say, well, do come. Come on a Sunday. You'd be you'd be very welcome. And encouragingly, some people are. So we praise God for that. It's, again, you know, there's work to be done there. Uh, but it gives us an opportunity as people come. So we're hugely grateful for that. Could I ask you to pray? We, we've had a week of um, particular sort of outreach focus, uh, which finished... Uh, not this Sunday, last Sunday, Uh, I might ask you to pray if I could please for a lady called Ginny uh, and a man called Simon, both of whom seem to be, as far as I can tell, seem to be considering the things of the Lord in a way that they haven't done before and are wanting to seriously engage with the claims of Jesus. Um, Who knows what the Lord might be doing there, but it would be lovely um, to see them saved. So please do remember them in your prayers, please. And I think then pray on for the members of the church family, Um, those people who, again, like here, have had to learn new skills, had to learn new ways of operating as a result of COVID, and I think are frankly probably quite tired. Perhaps you feel that, frankly quite tired. Uh, I guess there's a little bit of that in all of us. Pray for the Lord's strengthening, the Lord's refreshing, uh, and the Lord's equipping for whatever happens next. I think that's probably enough, John. I could go on, but I should try not to. Thank you.
0: Well, let's join together, shall we, in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we remember that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We thank you for how much you value the church how can we take in how much you've valued the church? We thank you for the blessing of being part of a band, of group of believers locally and then uh, that much bigger uh, thought of being part of the, the church in total, the church that Christ has worked in, the church that has been brought together by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we rejoice to hear of other believers in other towns locally we pray for your blessing on them as we pray for your blessing upon us. Oh, we want to pick up and pray on some of those things that have been mentioned. We thank you for those who have returned in Helsham to the church and to meeting and to other churches. And uh, we pray as they start to get together again and there's some rebuilding and going forward for all of us, we pray for your blessing. Harmony, unity, love, wisdom. Uh, as it's been a change of a time of change, we pray also for for those there who perhaps could come back and haven't yet, and maybe people we know who are not joining in fellowship, and maybe they could be. And we do pray for them to have courage and especially appetite to be with your people to hear your word. We thank you to hear of fresh interest as a result of this uh, outreach week and. We pray for other events as well that might be done during this month in the build-up to Easter there. Oh Lord, do work through those events. We pray we might see your sheep hear your voice, people responding to the gospel, people being drawn to Jesus. We thank you for the uh, blessing of the location for the church there and we do pray that that may leave to a, a, a useful profile and, a, a, and uh, contact and encounters of people so that people may have opportunity to hear the gospel Lord we thank you for uh, believers in other churches we thank you too to be thinking of the work in schools albeit um, some time ago we thank you for what is done in schools still uh, at this time whether by folks here uh, in their everyday job having an influence a salt and light in their responsibilities whether it be in assemblies taken uh, by staff or by others like Mark and others around town in schools we pray for your blessing upon them that youngsters may have a, a knowledge of Jesus while they are young and we pray for some of those over these last couple of decades who in different ways in different schools in Crowborough have heard quite a lot about the gospel we pray it may lodge and uh, be useful and that uh, we might just hear of your word producing fruit perhaps many years afterwards Lord we do pray for the things that we're involved with as a church here oh Lord we've had some things that have been cancelled which has been disappointing we pray that in your sovereign grace you might overrule that for good, and that the rescheduled dates may prove uh, useful and good, and, and, and even better than the original dates planned we pray for our build-up to easter and thinking of inviting people to those services on the easter sunday oh lord it's been hard for us because we've lost contact with people and we've been distracted by covid this last week or so week or two and we pray lord that if there are people that would be uh, very suitable for us to be asking uh, we pray that you might bring us into contact with them you might give us the opportunity and the courage to ask them help us in our lives We remember that uh, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We pray that you'd help us to live righteous lives. We are righteous through Jesus, but we pray to live out an increasing righteousness in our conduct, our values, our words that may reflect your glory. We pray to know peace, because we know the God of peace. And because we're at peace with God, we pray that that peace may reflect in our relationships and may reflect in our inner attitude and disposition. Especially we pray for those who are really going through the mill of difficult circumstances and sad circumstances. May may they know something of a peace that passes understanding. We pray that we may know joy in our hearts, a solid joy because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we think of the Saywells heading to Philippines this week. What a massive move for them to be moving out as a family. Um, We pray for them. We ask that their final arrangements may fall into place. We pray for them to be given courage and strength as they say their goodbyes pray that they may be given a sense of purpose and a sense of your blessing as they uh, arrive uh, in, uh, in the east and as they start to get a, a stronger feel for the uh, role and responsibilities they will have there in missionary work. Do bless them and encourage them, Reuben and his wife and children, at this time, we pray. And we remember James and Rachel as well and uh, the... Uh, the believers in Lefkosha in Cyprus, we ask that you would encourage them, bless them, uh, use them, add to them, unite them, lead them forward as a church, give them strength in serving you. We pray that increasingly the light may shine in that part of Cyprus for your glory. Lord, then we come to you and we want to have our, our hearts open to your word. Teach us mold us, lead us to Jesus, influence us for good. In our time together we pray. Help Rory as he preaches to us. Help us as listeners. We ask all this through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Well, our next song um, seems to lead nicely into the passage, or it did to me anyway, nicely into our passage. I'm going to read the last verse if Don't mind going through to the fourth verse. My Saviour bids me walk with him and follow all his ways. His plan for me is fruitfulness throughout my earthly days, since now and evermore I live beneath his loving gaze. Well, shall we sing then this hymn before Rory comes and preaches to us?
1: could ask you please to turn up John chapter 15. I have no idea what number it is in your copy of the Bible, in mine it's 1087. There you are, just thought I'd give you that bit of information. Why don't I pray that the Lord will be gracious to us as we come to his word. The unfolding of your word brings light, Lord, and That's a light that we need. We need to to see rightly the state of our own heart, to see rightly the state of our world. And so we pray, please unfold your word to us this evening. Please grant us your spirit. Please give us an attentiveness to your word. Please help me to speak words of truth. Please build your people. And we ask this for the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Let me ask you, are you feeling fruitful? Uh, It's a slightly strange way of putting it, I grant it, but um, let me try again, I suppose. Do you feel like you're making a difference? Does the stuff that occupies your nine to five count? Count for, for more than just money in the bank. My sense is that we want that, that we want to make a difference. We want to do something that's worthwhile, something that will endure a bit. Please don't panic. This sermon is not going to be Rory's top ten tips for how to be more productive and still have time to work on your waistline. Rather, it's going to be a reflection on why Christians are fruitful as they walk through their lives. Now, granted, you may not be a Christian here this evening. Uh, If you're not, then please bear with me. And I I hope you'll find the words of a man who did make a difference will be an encouragement. The words of a man who made such a difference that we still organize our calendars around his life. I pray that he'll have something to say to you as well this evening. But back to my original question, I don't think it's been a particularly brilliant couple of years for feeling fruitful, has it? We've been cut off. Cut off from family, cut off from friends, cut off even, for a while, from our church family. So maybe a more realistic expectation would be survival, rather than fruitfulness my guess is if you're a Christian here this evening your answer to the question are you feeling fruitful is sort of kind of sort of maybe not not necessarily as fruitful as I would like well let the Lord encourage you this evening, because he says very clearly, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 15. Do look down, please, if you have that open. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm the true vine. The implication there is there must be a false vine. And that's exactly the point that the Old Testament makes. The Old Testament uh, says, well, Israel, the people of God, were supposed to be the vine of the Lord. You don't need to turn these up, but if you're if you're taking notes, uh, have a look at Psalm 80, Isaiah 5, Isaiah 26. And you'll see how the people of God were supposed to be like a vine, spreading out uh, across the whole world. Bearing fruit to the glory of God. And the nations, that's the the non-Jewish world, were supposed to look at this vine and think, God is great. Look at, at the beauty and the fruitfulness of the people of God. And they were supposed to praise him as they saw the vine of the Lord, the people of God. But instead, if you know the Old Testament, you know that they'll turn their backs on the Lord. And their leaders, the kings and the priests who were supposed to tend this vine, instead ignored it. And so in the words of the Old Testament, it became a wild vine. It grew sour grapes, far from bringing glory to the Lord. His people, Israel, dishonored him. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine. He says, everything the people of God should have been, I am. They were disobedient, I'm obedient. They turned away, I have always done my Father's will. And so, as Jesus says, I am the true vine, he guarantees there will be fruit. But he goes on, doesn't he? He goes on to say, my Father is the vine dresser. My father's the gardener. Now Israel, the false vine of the Lord, was tended by lazy gardeners. They didn't care for the vine. They cared for themselves. And so the vine ran wild. I've never grown a vine. I don't know if you have. I've got no idea what it takes to care for a vine. But I imagine it takes pruning, watering, feeding, fertilizing. It's got to be planted in the right place. And if all of those things are there then there's fruit. But I can imagine if you neglect the vine or if you neglect any plant it goes badly, doesn't it? In my case, they normally go crispy. The plant dies. Now, here's a question for you. What kind of gardener Do you think Jesus' father would be? How knowledgeable a vine dresser would Jesus' father be? How committed do you think Jesus' father is to seeing the true vine flourish? The Bible tells us, doesn't it? He loves his son. He loves the true vine. He's totally committed to the true vine. He's not going to forget to water it, fertilize it. He's not going to forget to prune it. There will be fruit. Let me ask you another question. How powerful a gardener do you think Jesus' father is? Can he provide the ideal growing conditions? Can he protect the vine from drought and frost? Of course he can. Uniquely, wonderfully, he can. There's going to be fruit from this vine, from the true vine. If You're a gardener. You're at the mercy of the weather. I don't know if you've planted anything out. You're looking out and feeling a bit nervous about the fact it was frosty this morning. Probably you're from the the highlands, aren't you, here in Crowborough, We southerners down in the lowlands... You know, we're thinking about planting things out. You've got another four months of winter up here. My dad was a farmer, and it's a standing joke in our family that there's always something wrong with the weather. Oh, it's too dry. Oh, it's too wet. It's too warm, too early. Did you know it could be too warm too early? Get a nice March day at... Oh, no. Too warm too early. Dad it's glorious there's always something wrong with the weather if you're a farmer but God the Father as the vine dresser well none of that's going to be a problem for him is it there will be fruit how can there not be fruit we've got the perfect, the true vine and we have the faultless vine dresser there will be fruit and do you know what wonderfully, it has nothing to do with us. The fruit has nothing to do with us. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on me. It has everything to do with God the Father and God the Son. I hope that takes a load off you. I hope you feel sort of released a little bit from that. There will be fruit, because Jesus is the vine, and his Father is the gardener. And as long as that is true, there will be fruit. We'll see the vine growing to cover the nations, the vine bringing glory to God the Father. We've just prayed about that, haven't we? This family going to the Philippines, seeing the the vine of the Lord spreading out, and nations giving glory to God the Father as it bears fruit. So I suppose that leads us to the question, how can you and I be fruitful? To which the Lord says, well, by abiding and by asking. Have a look down, please, at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in. In me, our fruitfulness doesn't depend on our effort, it depends on us being connected to the vine. It isn't about you and me, you know, waking up in the morning, thinking fruitful thoughts, eating right, committing to 14 fruitful things straight after breakfast. No. Fruitfulness depends on the life that is in the vine. It depends on bearing fruit through the Lord Jesus, being connected to him. To abide, to remain in Jesus. It's a moment by moment, continuous dependent on him, a recognition that we need him for everything. For our next breath, for our next bite to eat. It's a personal relationship, an awareness of his goodness and our needs. It's a, it's a sense of love for him, of trusting him, of obeying him. What's the alternative? Have a, have a glance down with me. End of verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Unfruitfulness. John doesn't mean that people who aren't believers can't do anything. He means that they can't do anything that will abide, that will last, that will be of eternal value. We... um, we love tomatoes in the Graham family. Mrs. Graham is, um, is quite the one for tomatoes. I think, I did a bit of watering this afternoon, I think there might be 78 separate tomato plants growing in our house at the moment. There's five of us. <laughs> what on earth are we going to do with 78 separate tomato plants? It's just bonkers. But do you know, that the 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 fruit of the tomato... I think, in fact, it's the fri- a tomato vine. I think you can call them vines. The fruit of the tomato will occur as long as the branch is attached to the tomato plant, as long as it is connected to the life. Uh, why do those little yellow flowers spring forth from all 78 of Mrs. Graham's tomato plants? Because they're connected to the... The vine, the stem, the plant. It's what tomatoes do. They, they bear fruit as long as they are connected. Why do those little yellow flowers become small green fruits? And those small green fruits become big, red, juicy, lovely tomatoes? Because they remain attached to the vine. Because they are plugged into the, the life-giving nutrients of the tomato plant. What happens... If an errant football knocks one of the branches off. Nothing. It withers. It dies. It it cannot bear fruit. It does not bear fruit. Why? Because it's no longer plugged into, attached to, the tomato plant. So it is with Jesus, the true vine. You and I will be fruitful as long as we are attached to him as long as we remain in him, as long as we abide in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Notice as well verse 2. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What does... What does God the Father long for? Fruitfulness. He longs that, that those connected to Him bear fruit. He wants fruitfulness to be part of the lives of Christians. And if you're bearing fruit, well, expect to be pruned. Expect to be even more fruitful. So if you're thinking, well, I'd, I'd like to be more fruitful, know that God the Father is saying, me too. I'd like you to be more fruitful. That's my plan for you, to bear fruit. And it will mean some things will need to be pruned. Some things in your diary will need to go that you might be more fruitful. Some parts of your daily routines will will need to go that you might be more fruitful for the Lord. They'll have to die so that there can be more life. Now, listen, I know that doesn't sound very comfortable. But that's the gospel way, isn't it? That's the shape of the Christian life. Death and then resurrection. Good Friday, then Easter Sunday. Suffering now, glory later. And this fruitfulness. How how does it come? Well, we've seen it abiding in Jesus. Abiding in him. So the good question is, what will it look like to abide? It will look like asking. Have a look down at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It will look like clinging to Jesus... Hanging on to his promises, listening to, obeying and being shaped by his words. You know, you know don't you, that you can't separate the words of Jesus from Jesus. It's a, it's a dangerous thing to do if you try and do that. I mean, Just think of it in another situation. You couldn't say to your children, I, I really love you, but I'm not listening to you. It just wouldn't really work. Or your wife or your husband, well of course I love you, but your words mean nothing to me. That just wouldn't work. You can't separate someone's words from, from who they are. And we cannot separate the words of Jesus from from the person of Jesus. So abiding in Jesus looks like hearing and obeying and treasuring his words. Having his words abide in us, to use the the language of verse 7. But there's a a second strand to being fruitful, as well as abiding and having his word abide in us, is that we ask. We ask him for things. We express our dependence on him by asking. Not for Ferraris and for an easy life. Because, in fact, uh, we're abiding in Jesus and our asking will be shaped by him. So we ask for more life. More fruits are asking, Our praying, is a sign of our abiding, our remaining, our dependence on Jesus. And Christians pray. They pray because they know they are not sufficient. They know they need help. It's my experience, that's your experience, isn't it? Like little children, Father, please help me. Unless you help me, I will not be kind. Unless you help me, I cannot keep my temper. Unless you help me, I will not love my brothers and sisters. Please, help me. Help me to say no to myself. Help me to forgive. It hurts so much. We pray, we ask. It's a sign of our abiding, our remaining. Let me try and extend the tenuous tomato illustration one more time. I think after this we're done. Praying, asking is a little bit like a branch of the tomato plant with those little yellow flowers saying, We need more sap, we need more nutrients, we need more water, we need more minerals because we want to bear fruit. Please send more here, stem. I know it's breaking down a little bit, this analogy, but you get the idea. Send more. Please help that we might be fruitful. We need more chlorophyll. We need more nutrients. As we remain, as we ask, then we will bear fruit. I think it's important to say that because it is it is the manner of creation that vines bear grapes... So it is in the nature of Christians that they will bear fruit. It is inevitable that those who are plugged into the the resurrection life of Jesus will be fruitful. So how can we bear fruit? Well, be encouraged because now is the time to bear fruit. Have a look, please, uh, at John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17, towards the end of our passage. The Lord Jesus speaking, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. What does fruit bearing look like? What are the evidences that you should be looking for in your life as you remain in the vine, as you remain connected, dependent, moment by moment, in the Lord Jesus, that you're bearing fruit? Well, there are lots of things, I think, that are mentioned. Love seems really significant, doesn't it? Uh, We get that in verse 12, we're commanded that in verse 17. As we live in Jesus, we will live like Jesus with a costly, sacrificial, uh, other person centered love, a, a painful love, a love for those who don't deserve it, a love that gives despite the cost, a love that will cost us in terms of our treasure and time and our talents, a love that listens. A love that invites over for coffee. A love that buys school uniforms for the children of uh, of the single mum in our church family. That is the fruit that is mentioned. And amazingly, this fruitful life is characterized by joy. Verse 11. These things I've spoken to you so that you may know what to do and do them grudgingly. Oh no, that isn't what Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus wants fruitfulness. Jesus wants joy for his people. Jesus had joy in his wholehearted service of his Father, and that joy will become our joy as we remain in Jesus, and as we ask him to help. But here are two other evidences that our lives remain attached to the vine, and with these I probably ought to sit down. Did you spot the word? In verse 16, the word, go. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. Bearing fruit will involve going out into the world. Jesus was sent out into the world and connected to him, we will go. It's a sign that we're becoming more and more like him. We will go and we will bear fruit. And part of that fruit bearing is that others will come to bear fruit that will abide Have a look down again at verse 16. I did not choose you, but so you did not choose me. But the good news is I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. What do we know about fruit that abides, fruit that lasts? Well, we know it only lasts because it's attached to the true vine. So we must be talking about Christians, speaking about Jesus, and making other Christians. Disci- making disciples. If that sounds, if that sounds scary, well, be encouraged. There will be fruit. As we pray, as we speak about Jesus, the life-giving vine, some people will be grafted into him. We won't do it. We can't do it. The Spirit of God does it. And once they are there, they begin to bear fruit that lasts. So what does fruit look like? It looks like going in loving service, going and telling, going and pointing to Jesus. And this fruit grows in the lives of all who belong to him, who who remain, who abide in him vines produce grapes tomatoes produce tomato plants produce tomatoes christians bear fruit that is what usually happens this truth has led me to wonder whether whether we get too hung up on being fruitful and not hung up enough on abiding on remaining in jesus Be encouraged, my Christian brothers and sisters. There will be fruit. Jesus is the vine. His Father is the gardener. How can there not be fruit with that team? And if you're not a Christian here this evening and you're still awake, I'm sorry for all the odd conversation about tomatoes. But please let me say this. If you would like what you do to matter and to last and to be of eternal value long after people can't remember your name. If you would like to be fruitful, then Jesus is the man for that. Jesus is the man for that. He really is remarkable. I would encourage you to to speak to John, speak to me, speak to other Christians you know about him. Because that is the way to bear fruit that will last. May the Lord commend the preaching of his word to us. Perhaps just for a moment we'll be quiet and in our own hearts we'll, we'll pray and respond to the things that we've heard. we're going to stand and sing our final hymn together which speaks of the the love of the lord shown to us so clearly in the death of his son would you please stand as we stand a final prayer you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you gracious lord we pray please that we might be those who abide in the true vine and so abiding live lives of fruitfulness as we go from this place to our families and friends and the places where you have called us we ask gracious Lord that we might bear fruit and fruit that would last we pray this to the glory of your son to the praise of his name and for the good of your people, the Church. And now may the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon us, and remain with us always. Amen.